Okay, so uh, of course we have a quite an ambitious title, uh, but even before we get to that, uh, just sort of following from the last week where we learned um, how it really could have been possible for Noah to reach the people of his generation who were deeply steeped in immorality and dishonesty in the worst kind of way um, with a more positive message of appealing to their inner humanity and human greatness and that they could have possibly or potentially been influenced by being taught to know the ways of Hashem, Hashem's greatness, beauty of his ways, great perfection, and that could somehow have reached them, despite uh, their being seemingly so steeped in everything that was the opposite of that. And it leaves us wondering a little bit, how really is that possible? What method is there to sort of get around all the blockages? It's hard to like envision that you could really speak to somebody in a way that is totally opposite him and uh, should not be like, resisted, like, shut, shut out. Um, the natural tendency of people is to think, well, that's not me. That's not for me. It's not my lifestyle. Um, so we don't know. Um, in any you know, kind of direct, specific way. This Torah doesn't really spell out that much. So it's left us to try to look for um, all good sources that could help to see what could help to get this kind of message across. And I remember that uh, we can ask a similar kind of question. Shalom, Reb Yankir. That's a treat. Uh, it's uh, uh, I remember a, a Sephorno in, in dealing with a similar kind of situation that also says something that's um, somewhat perplexing, where the Torah is giving us a method uh, to help us, which Sephorno describes as a situation where a person is drawn very powerfully to seek honor or other kinds of worldly pleasure. And even if it's um, through dishonest method, uses a lushan to gain, a person is being drawn powerfully to gain what his heart desires of honor and wealth, even with gazel. At the end of, the, of that pasuk, it sounds like he's really engaged in behavior that he knows is destructive to him in a spiritual way. And uh, the Torah gives us a, uh, a method. The Torah says, look at the tzitzis and remember that you are servants of Hashem and you accepted his mitzvahs with the oath, with even all the potential consequences. And this will enable you to cease, says, Bezet tachdelu, you will stop from going after that powerful pull of your heart's desires. By Sari Menu, it says, Chodaliyos, means it stop, meaning a person is already 
engaged. He's already on the road. We don't know how far he's gone, but there's a real powerful pull at work. And what's going to stop him? Remember, you are the Abodim of Hashem. And it's that simple. How does that um, have the power to arrest these very powerful forces? Especially because we're dealing with even something that is very basic and very, you know, clearly right and moral that the human intellect understands. If a person is able to shove aside the morality of Gezel, the Isra of Gezel. So just remembering you are a servant of Hashem, you accepted his mitzvahs. How is this going to enable a person to pull back and shut it all down? Needs needs some explanation. It seems to be, of course, something not so simple in the terms of, well, the person knows this, he's just being reminded, how did he get to that place in the first place? Can he like suddenly regain that fullness, that full awareness, just with a, a momentary reminder? That's another, you know, very good question. But just the basic concept, remembering you're an Evet, is that gonna be more powerful to a person? You know, I'm the servant of Hashem. I'm not allowed to do this. We're talking about the Gesel, it's basic morality and plastic tavos, shasatim and nechimbem, who knows what kind of tavos those are, that a person could know very well this Hashem is not allowing this. It's even basic morality. And he's pushing all that aside. But remembering, I am the Evid of Hashem. I accepted the Torah. What is that really all about? So I want to circle that question also. Anybody has an answer, I'm eager to hear, but I want to know, maybe set the stage a little bit and hopefully um, we'll be in a similar kind of place. Hopefully that will leave room for uh, all good responses. But, but in Noah's time, they they didn't know Hashem, the 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 corrupt people of the of the world, did they? Um, that's a very good question because um, there was also Avodah that's for sure. And I mean, I don't worship. I don't worship. Right, right. Uh, it was rampant. Um, this, is, this is spelled out in the Medrash, um, where the Medrash contrasts the Raflaga seemingly having been worse than uh, the the Mabob, who also were in violation of Avodah Zarah. Um, so it's true that um, they may, may not have known, but there is a basic sense of morality in a person. A person can know somehow that, um, that theft is not not viable, not okay. I don't think that the Dharamabha would have you know, been okay with people stealing from them. When they were when they were the victims, were they okay with it? Would they say, okay, you got me, it's okay. <laughs> I have no complaints. It's hard to imagine that, you know. So 
nevertheless, they're, they're, they're utilizing it for their own benefit. says this is Mrs. Muscullis. It means like, you know, it's hard to imagine that, that it was considered like a, a, a um, fine way of living without any, you know, concern for it. Just they were using it. So, and, and, and like we saw, we saw in the Sephorno, Noah was teaching them how it's destructive to society. The people are, are dishonest with each other, especially in a very severe way. Then eventually everything breaks down. You cannot, you cannot trust anybody. If there's no, no means of trust, then society can't function. And that wasn't working. And yet it seems that appeal to greatness of Hashem and his ways could have somehow reached. And we're trying to figure out, well, what is the avenue to like get there? So maybe you're right that there could, been a, there could have been a starting point of first coming to know about Hashem, like Avram taught, even before talking about their behavior. The first step is to know Hashem, to know Hashem's greatness to know the ways of Hashem. But it's a little tricky because as soon as you start showing the ways of Hashem, the person is bound to be defensive, that they're in opposition to his ways. So it almost has to come hand in hand with the means of being able to accept it and not see it as absolute contradiction to, to, to myself and my lifestyle. Do you, do you know what I mean by this? Yes, he, he was he was living a, a lifestyle completely different than everybody else. Noah was correct. And if, if Noah is going to try to present to them the beauty of the ways of Hashem, truth, justice, kindness, compassion, respect for one another, morality, sanctity, <laughs> human greatness, isn't there bound to be a barrier of resistance? based on their knowledge that that has not been their behavior to this point. Person has to be able to see for himself, oh, that's, that is possible for me, at least on some level, to be able to even take in the message. I've heard from one of my good chaverim that some of the ideas that we tried to present of a very good and a beautiful nature are hard to take in. He says, because I'm not living like that. My, my lifestyle is not a complete match for what you are putting out there in terms of the love of Hashem and his mitzvahs. And even though it sounds good and not, not discounting, not disagreeing, not disrespecting it, the only problem is, but doesn't match with me. Of course, that's a, a very valid kind of a struggle because anytime that we learn something that's a little sort of above where we're holding, there's bound to be some kind of a feeling of, of contradiction, of conflict. Okay, I'm learning about this. I understand it. It may be very beautiful, and I'm not there yet. So we have to be accepting of that. And could, uh, of course, the good hope is that if it's not too distant, then we could bear that. and We could strive for, okay, we can try to bring our actions up to what our understanding God 
teaches us, especially if it's if it's if it's good, if it's if it's beautiful. But if it's too big a gap, if it's like so far that this looks something like it's totally out of reach, then the expectation would be that it's going to be just like blocked out and shut out. So how can I come to somebody, teach him about the beauty of the ways of Hashem when he sees himself in absolute contradiction to that? Well, their their Zara told them it's okay to steal. And uh, it must have been so powerful that it just not, and that's why Hashem brought the model is because, because it was it just couldn't overcome it. It, it, it was so so let's let's take for example what the Sephorna says about what Avram did. Sephorna says that Avram taught the people to know Hashem's greatness, the glory of his kingship, and he drew them with the ropes of the love of kindness to serve Hashem all together, as one. He's drawing them with the ropes of the love of kindness. How is he drawing them with the, with the love of kindness? If he would say he's drawing them with ropes of love, we understand. Abraham is showing love to them. It causes them to be receptive. If he would say he's drawing them with the ropes of kindness, he's bestowing kindness to them, okay, which he did, of course, then again, helps them to be receptive to his message. But the Sephora uses the phrase, he's drawing them with the ropes of the love of kindness, meaning he's showing them his love of kindness. It would seem to be as a means of reflection upon Hashem, showing them that Hashem is the real source. Avram's love of kindness wasn't somewhere that he just came to on his own. He learned it. Where did he learn it from? As he, as he taught them. Where did he learn to be so loving of kindness, to be ready to get off his hospital bed, run out and serve them with the most lavish feast that they couldn't possibly ever dream of? on their own and serve them personally. Where do you get that from? Oh, that's from Hashem. So that can be an example where the, the, the person, the live person who's showing you he has this, this loving kindness towards you is, is causing you to recognize, oh, there must be a being that's not like the Avoy Zara. It's not looking for dominance. It's not looking for power. It's not looking for control. It's not advocating immorality and, and dishonesty. Oh, there must be a creator of purity, of holiness, of greatness. So, so there we could see how that could help very much. Like, like Hazal say, after Abraham served the guests and they wanted to thank him, Abraham would say, don't thank me. So they would say, who should we thank? Say, thank the one whose food you ate. So who's that? That's, that's, oh, that's like, <laughs> they're ready to thank Avram for such a, for such a feast. Avram says, not, not for me. I didn't send this to you. I'm just a good shliach. I'm, I'm delighted to be the shliach, to bring it to you. But this is Hashem's kindness. They're seeing Hashem's kindness in the world. So maybe that could be 
somewhat of the answer. Teaching them the greatness of Hashem has to be in a way where they can really get a glimpse of it, where it's not threatening to them. Of course, in Abraham's way, it was, uh, it was very not threatening. <laughs> they were the ones on the receiving end of all that kindness and love of kindness. So it has a great power. But it doesn't seem that Avraham Avinu's teaching was only through his acts of chesed. Rambam says Avraham was gathering people together and teaching them. And even when it comes to Noach, the the, the, the says Noach didn't teach them to know Hashem. Is the only way to teach through that alive example. We hope that so there could be other good ways ways that could enable a person to somehow become open to hear something. But, but we don't get any of that with Noah. Right, so Noah, so we don't know exactly why. Somehow Noah, what else can we say, failed in this regard. Was, was not the fullest um, successful outreach person. <laughs> That's maybe he could have been. And of course, a simple explanation is that he saw it as being impossible. So, of course, it's going to be hard to, to make any judgment about you know, what Noah could have, could have known. But whatever we could find as sources that are available to us of how it's possible to, to reach ourselves but to reach somebody that we know, even when it seems that they are very much far away from the message. So that would be worthwhile. Does that make sense? Yes. But, but, okay. but Hashem put up with Avodah Zara in, in Avraham's, you know, generation. Even even after the model, there was there was Avodah Zarah. So that must not have been the pro the main problem in Noah's generation. It it true. Yes, you're right. That was not the main problem. But of course, as you're pointing out, you know the combination of Avodah Zarah and um, and Arias and Gezel. It's a it's a tough combination to try to uh, take on. But it seems that it was possible. So we're looking for any kind of a ingredients, any kind of method that we could discover that could help sort of open a person's mind and heart to a kind of a message that tells him that he could be greater than he is different and better and be able to take that message in. But we see that Abraham did one-on-one -on -one outreach and, and Sarah did one-on-one -on -one outreach and they had in, an, an inn or something and they, for visitors and they took people in and, and they converted people one person at a time. And, well, that's a very good point. You're right about that. In fact, the Rambam says that Avinu, when he was going around teaching, it says how he would teach each one called Echad Ve'echad Lefi Daito. He was teaching each person according to their level of understanding. It was a very tailored message to each one. But 
course, it's hard to judge. You know, not always can you reach every person individually. Um, but that's the that's the ideal situation, is when you can speak to somebody on an individual basis. But there are some sources of uh, of good messaging that are meant to reach the whole Klal Yisrael. Let's see what Shlomo Melech says. What does Shlomo Melech say to somebody who has already gone down pretty deeply a road of, of bad, bad monetary choices, a, a road of engaging in dishonest means of gaining a lot of money, where he says even to himself or maybe even to somebody who's trying to speak to him, how can I give it back? And Shalomelech is addressing that kind of a uh, situation. And the person might say, how can I give back all this that I've stolen? I, I need this. He says something very interesting. Shalomelech says to the person, you know, it may seem to you like you're having a very good lifestyle with a lot of money that you got that really isn't yours. But you know, your life could be much better. You could enjoy life much better than you have it now. And not because you're probably afraid of being caught by the police. Or who knows what else you could be afraid of. No, simply, whatever it is that you are gaining enjoyment from, there's something much better available to you. If you'll let go of all this and just live with honesty and integrity, you'll be able to experience closeness to Hashem, love of Hashem, making contact with His signet ring of truth that is so central in the, the ways that we know of Hashem's perfection. You will be you will be there, you'll be with him. And it'll be more enjoyable. Your life will be more enjoyable. And Shlomo says, and I can prove it to you. Because look at your own life experience, where you get the really best pleasure? Do you get it from the most lavish physical pleasure? Do you get it from the best steak in the highest end restaurant? Or do you get it from just being together with one of your good buddies, even if um, there's nothing much else going on? It's just having a little reunion, having a little salad, and reminiscing over the good old days when you know your life was simpler. Just that human connection to somebody that you're really close to and is really close to you is so much more enjoyable than the most lavish, materialistic experience. That best steak 
in the company of your competitors at some kind of a uh, you know meeting that you have to go to. The thickest best steak is not tasting nearly as good as uh, the salad that you have with your own buddy. And what does that show? Show shows a very simple thing that the real pleasure of a person is the pleasure that comes from his inner being, from his neshama, from the spiritual part of him, not from the physical. If the, if the real pleasure that we have in life is really of a heart-to-heart -heart nature, that's from the spirit. What does that show you? That the essence of the person is the spirit. Essence of the person is the neshama. The essence of the person is true source of pleasure and his true self is his spiritual component. And if that's true with the human being, the same thing will be true with Hashem, who is very much within us, who our whole spirit is the source from, and our whole means of appreciation and being able to choose truth over falsehood and honesty over dishonesty is coming from that connection that our neshama has with Hashem. So we'll be able to touch it. We'll be able to sense it. We'll be able to discover, oh, this is my, this is my, my true identity. This is my true essence. So what is all that that I think that, that I need all this, all this money and all this glory and all this glamour? That's just imagination. That's just, that's just the fantasy in my mind. Of course, society promotes it very much also. They're all in the same fantasy together. There's nothing real about this at all. So you don't need it. You don't need it. Besides, like it's not working, but you don't need it at all. You have much better available. And of course, that much better is not just going to be, you know, in this short time that we're here, this form of existence, that's going to be forever and ever and ever because the spirit is innately eternal. It's from Hashem. Could you see that how that could maybe open up somebody's? awareness to see, oh, maybe, maybe I missed that. <laughs> and in a certain sense, it's similar to when, when people are helped to realize what would they want to be said about them when their life is completed. They don't want to be praised for materialistic accomplishments. And that's not what they say to praise other people. So that's a... Uh, a glimpse into what really is important. It's really lasting. It's really meaningful. But here Shalom Malach is saying, you could sense this in your life experience. And what gives you real pleasure is never the external, the material, the physical. It's always the internal. That means that's who you are. So you can give back your money and you'll be fine. You're thinking, how can I give back my money? That's, that's me. That's myself. That's my whole identity. No, no, no. It's just imagination. It's just uh, a, a 
concoction of the mind and, and, the, and the brain and the, the, who knows what Tahara. That's all just 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 a very real, powerful dream. Like when you have a dream and it's so real that like you're really scared, and then when you wake up, it's like so relieved. <laughs> That's what real life is. You're caught in this dream, very bad dream. But you could step out of it. You'll be totally fine. <laughs> and you won't care what anybody thinks about you when they think you're crazy, that you left the gang, you left the mob, <laughs> you left the party, and now you're just living free and clear. You won't care a bit. And the, big, and the good news is they won't care either, except for the fact that it's going to put them and, you know, make them very anxious about themselves. Like, oh, maybe we should do it too. That's the only thought they're going to have. Menachem, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say before, the mushal with eating with this kind of close friend and uh, as opposed to, you know, a simple meal or eating a thickest steak with the competitor, I think it's a very, I find it very powerful. Um, I still think it's very hard to relate. This is a big challenge to relate that it's completely imagination. It's completely, there's nothing, nothing there. It's you know, the, the comparison, yeah, the steak will taste good, but the, the overall experience is going to be not as good sitting with a good friend. But sitting with a good friend with the best steak, meaning it's, it's kind of a little bit of a default. Okay, in the default, these are two choices. This is better. But as, as long as it still feels like there's something real in the in the material however this i mean if, if i would have to get them if i'd be able to get the material and a good friend together it will be the best okay no and, I, I i don't disagree with that i don't think it means that either we don't mean to say that there is nothing of the enough from the physical yes hashem made such a thing in the world of good steak and good wine you should use it for Kiddush and Shabbos, and for Suda Shabbos, and Suda Yantif. <laughs> yes, it has a place. But in terms of what is the real, the primary, most powerful, no. And then, of course, in that mushal, we're using also the fact that there's the negative of the, the discomfort of the people that I'm not friendly with. But, but even if even that wouldn't be the case, you just put the two side by side. Of course, the Hanal, the Nefesh, is what is a truly great one. So I don't think Roshlam Malach means simply, well, if you have a choice of the physical hana of a lot of money and the, and the, the Shama hana closest to Hashem, pick the better hana. Roshlam Malach is not meaning to sort of discount all the other factors that are involved, the compelling yashras compelling morality it means to help the person to realize that it's not a sacrifice. The Torah is not meant to be a sacrifice. There is no sacrifice. It's not a choice of I'll be good person, moral person, give up my pleasure. 
This is just a design for you to have the best living now and forever of closest to Hashem and closest to people. That's all the Torah is. This is like the window. This is like the crack that could start to help a person to realize it. It's better to choose this because after all, this is compelling Yashras, but it's blocked for me. I think that's wrong. I can't live like that. I can't be that. Well, you could. You could. And you really would want to. And then it'll be all good. There's no loss, no sacrifice. Is there, could there be effort needed? Yes. That first step of, of coming to the people who he embezzled and saying, I have a million dollars for you. Here it is. That's going to be quite a powerful action. But it will be worth it. That will be making a powerful connection to his true essence and to, to all that is right and good that is stemming from Hashem that he will be connecting to. And he will be now above, above and, above and beyond all the smallness, and all the pettiness, and all the unnecessary imagination. He will step out of that. So, but can I believe that for myself? Can I step out of that? Well, well, look what gives you real pleasure. Your nefesh gives you real pleasure. So you cannot be losing. So maybe this could have been helpful for the Dharamabal as well. <laughs> Who knows? But I think that also is a, uh, a Pesach to get in touch with, once we see, oh, think of the person as the nefesh. How great is the nefesh? How, how great are we as a nation of spiritual nature? What does Hashem call us in the Torah? He calls us, banimatem Hashem like, and, 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 and has its place in halacha, in, in the midst of the Torah, that even when a person might otherwise be so pained, and so in need of some kind of release of his feelings of loss, that he would want to cut himself, tear out his hair to give expression to that extreme pain or the loss of a beloved person in his life, like the Goyim used to do. The terrorist says, no, it's proper for you to be beautiful, to be nice, not to be cut, not to be pulled out. Meaning, and we could, we could recognize that. We could say, oh, of course, of course, this would not be right for me. I'm, I'm someone who's worthy of maintaining state of of beauty, of refinements, of dignity. And then, of course, it follows from that even more so in my behavior, in my conduct, in my all my thoughts and feelings. I should be a being of beauty, of honor, of dignity, as befitting 
how I am defined by Hashem and His Torah as the Banim Lashem. There's an amazing Rashi, we just didn't get onto the sheet, where by the Pasuk of Ishnantam Levanecha, Rashi says, these are Tamidim, and he brings this as a source. Like the Torah says, we received Hashem's Torah, where we're learning Hashem's Torah. Hashem is teaching us His Torah, where His Talmidim. That's why we're called Banim. He accepted the Torah and He's teaching us His Torah. So we're learning Hashem's Torah. So we could we could have a real sense of oh, that makes us like His children, and we're called that in the Torah. And as we find. From other places, what great distinction every Yid has. I think Mar says he's supposed to view himself as worthy of the entire creation. Adam Misha was created as an individual, so every person should view himself as, as if the world was and continues to be created for him individually. So how can I do something I would I would harm in a true way, in a spiritual way? Someone who is the, the the focus of the entire creation, with all the people in it. That uh, that's that's incongruous. But at first, we have to be open to to see that part of ourselves, to be open to it, to recognize. Oh, I am a being of, as Ruchni. So once we get a sense of it, then we can start to recognize that in ourselves and then see ourselves as above this something that would be lowly this is this, this is that feeling for me how can i allow myself to be tarnished by something that is dishonest that is not nice that's even the physical have to look nice and uh it goes even further brings that's Hashem has such a closest to Klal Yisrael that the only way the Gemara could to, to give us some, some understanding of it is to say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wears tefillin. Just like we glorify ourselves by our wearing tefillin, which it says, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, and it contains the Nisim and Tiyas Mitzrayim, Hashem's greatness, Hashem's kindness to us, Hashem's devotion to us. That's Hashem gave us as a crown to recognize our greatness. And he did all that for us personally. So Hashem also, similar to that, wears as his crown. So we are Hashem's crown. Okay, that's like, you know, we would think that's like the peak. There's nothing more can be added to that. How can I act in any way that's going to be, be not fitting for, like for a nation that Hashem considers to be His glory in the world? It's very lofty, of course, but no, this is our true self. This is our definition. This is who we are. It takes continuous focus and reminding ourselves of it. She put on tefillin very slowly in the morning. To remember, this is our glory. Hashem's devotion to us. Hashem's protecting us. Hashem's seeing in us that we are worthy of that. Of Hashem's connection to us. 
and Hashem glorifying Himself with us, similarly acting the same way, considering us to be His primary source of honor in the world. So I imagine that this could all be included in the concept of our being Hashem's Avodim. We are, we are the Avodim who are right to be Hashem's Avodim, who are chosen to be Hashem's Avodim because we are of such an exalted nature. But I wonder if that's the totality of what the Sephardim is saying. So I'm going to pause here. And I'm going to allow anybody to uh, share anything that they would like. Or we could pause. And I hope that next week we can continue and try to elaborate a little more on what is contained in the being the Avotam of Hashem, who accepted his Torah, but Allah Bishmur. So if anybody has any question or suggestion, that's of course very much welcome. Are, are we still talking about Noah? We could talk about Noah. Go right ahead, Gary. I, I, I don't know what to say. I, I think Noah was put here for a different reason than Avraham. He, he, he wasn't put here to do outreach. He, he was here to do a second beginning. Um, that was definitely part of his mission. No question about it. He, but the question, but the, but the real question is, did there necessarily have to be a second beginning? Now, of course, ultimately, it gets very complicated, you know. Um, can we say that, that perhaps it could have been averted had Noah done differently? Um, you know, do you, do you mean like I don't, know, like, I don't know what to say about that because people and having in, ends and and his wife and meeting with people one on one and that kind of that kind of thing. You know, me? I'll give you an example. Uh, when Avram Davin first dome, so uh, the the last attempt that Avram made was maybe there are ten tzaddikim, which when Sifun explains it. Would, would have still allowed for hope that that could spread and that stone could be spared. There was still hope for them to do tshuva. Once Hashem told Avraham that there aren't even 10 tzaddikim in stone, that meant that there was really no hope for them to do tshuva. And that was the completion of the decree against stone. So Noah could have brought about that there would be at least 10 tzaddikim Maybe the world could have been spared, or maybe some part of the world could have been spared. But so it's hard for us to know, you know, like what could have been and how. We're just trying to learn the topic of when someone's lifestyle right now 
is is sharply different than what we want to teach them about? Is there a way to enable them to, to hear it? So I'm suggesting that if we can show that they do have some connection to these ideas, it is part of their life already. They're not totally removed from it. Very often we think about ourselves also like, oh, this concept, I have no, I have no way to connect with that. But if we could be helped to see that, oh, I do have some connection with it. I could appreciate it. I can hope for it. I have some place in my life where, yeah, I could, I could see how I do access it or could access it. That already makes it that there's, that there's an openness. So let me tell you more. Let's learn about it. As long as we can learn about it without a person being sort of threatened. I'm not coming to tell you to change your life. I just want to teach about Hashem, about His beautiful ways. I want to teach you about the Torah. It's good. It's beautiful. And it's up to you to decide. If, if somehow we're able to see it, we all have something of this. We all have some amuna on some level. We all have some kindness and compassion on some level. So the Gemara says that um, there is a, some merit for even the cannibals because they do not sell human flesh on the market. And that's considered some most minimal level of fulfillment of Lo Even in the worst, worst situation, there's still something that's, that it could be worse than not doing that. So, in a certain way, maybe when we find that we do have some connection to this idea, somebody will say, I can't really doubt it. Was there ever a time that you found that you did? Oh, you and I really needed something very desperately. Then I turned to Hashem and I poured my heart out to him. Oh, so you did recognize at that moment that Hashem is the source of all blessing. And he is the only one who can give everything that we need. Yes. Okay. Maybe you could try to reconnect with that even when it's not so desperate. Because after all, the same thing is true. Even when it's not so obvious. And we do know that. So in a similar kind of way, if we could find even in our daily, ordinary lives, something that shows us that we have a spiritual component that's really our essence, then there's a hope of opening up the, the mind and heart, opening up the receptivity. And sometimes even for ourselves, where we should not give up. And certainly for other people. Does that make sense? Yes. yes. Okay, great. Okay. So I guess we can pause here.